it's snowing out, so I wore boots to the office and then changed into my slippers. I brought my slippers with me. Oh, I just wore boots to the office. <laughs> it's so. the most wonderful time <laughs> of the boots. year. Hi, Julian Bezzavalli. Hi, Patrick Hines. Um, fam, this is our first bonus episode of the year. Yeah. How exciting is that? Now, if you're thinking, wait a second, did yeah. I jump into a time machine? The answer is no. Yeah. Usually we do this the last 10 weeks of the year. Yeah. But like last, early last year, like February or March of 2023, we decided that this was going to be the year of many more bonus episodes yeah. and starting much earlier in the year. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Also, I wanted to say, join our Facebook group. If you're new to the, we got a lot of new listeners to the pod lately. I want to let you know we've got an active, thriving lovely, wonderful Facebook group. Yeah. It's a true crime obsessed podcast discussion group. There's over 50,000 people in there making friends, sharing dog memes, talking about the episodes. Yeah. It's where we always make the announcements of the things that we have going on. Yeah. And then they, like, so you lovely people, you form meetups and stuff. You're meeting in real life the and Salt you're having Lake online City friends. meetup group. I'm going to go out there at some point in the spring and Great. have brunch with them on a Sunday. Okay. I know. I'm very Amazing. excited about it. Um, what are we talking about today, girl? So this is an episode of 48 Hours. It's called The Game Show and the Murder. And yeah. Aaron Moore Moriarty is our host. This brutal crime has had the Quincy community on edge and our residents living in fear. How big a story was this initially? It was huge. huge. Were people scared that there was a killer loose? Definitely. How is this happening in our small town? Make sure you lock your doors. Turn on exterior lights. There were prowlers in the area right next door within a week of, of her being murdered. They're breaking into cars, they're trying to break into houses. It wasn't a random prowler, it was an execution. You don't kick down a door, chase them into a bathroom, shoot them once and then shoot them that many more times in a random act. This was somebody who was there with a purpose. So right at the top, we meet the prosecutors. It's Josh Jones and Laura Kick. Are these people paying 48 hours every time, every time they're on screen, Aaron's like, prosecutors, Josh Jones and Laura. They're introduced to us. I know. A lot. I know. I was thinking too, like Is Aaron. Is this like a commercial for them? Maybe. Aaron Moriarty also makes me think a lot of Andrea Canning. I feel like the two of them could do a show together. Moriarty. What is that? From Sherlock, remember? <laughs> no. I said every time I see her last name, I think of Andrew, of <laughs> Andrew Scott. I'm obsessed. Well, they say between these two, they've prosecuted hundreds of cases, but none of them have troubled them like the murder of Becky Beliefneck. Yeah, so she's a nurse. She's a mother of three. February 23rd, 2023, her own father finds her in the on the bathroom floor. Dead. In her home in Quincy, Illinois. She's 41 years old. They say that by the time he found her, she'd been dead for hours, and she'd been shot a total of 14 times. There were actually 15 shots fired. None of the wounds were immediately fatal. It took her minutes to die. It was an emotional response for both of us to, to realize not just that she had been executed, but that her last minutes were lying on a floor alone, in the dark, in extreme pain, waiting to die. 15 shots fired. God. 15. They don't really get into it in this, but like 15 times is what they call overkill. Like there's absolutely yeah, yeah, no yeah. reason to, like it's this is personal. A, it's very fucking personal. Josh also tells us that none of the wounds were immediately fatal. He said it took her minutes to die. He said her last minutes were laying on the floor, alone in the dark, in extreme pain, waiting to die. Like a home invasion is the thing I think most of us are the most terrified of. Thanks to that movie, The Strangers. Oh my God. I'm sorry. That is 
the scariest movie goddess ever allowed I to be made. thought about it, and I had to get it out of my head, so now you all have to deal, deal with it. Why are you doing this? Because you were home. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> but apparently this town, Quincy, Illinois, is a quiet town and nothing bad ever happens, which I just... Yeah. But what I want to say about that overkill is that this is personal, and this person had never done anything like this before. Right. This is someone... This is not... I hate to use this term, but, like, not a professional. This is not a murder for hire. This is uh-huh. someone who had a lot of feelings... Yep. And did something that they've never done before. Yeah, I definitely have questions along the way. To me, yes. this is not necessarily a slam dunk, but I've got I've got questions, but I think I know who I think did it. Yeah. So, like you said, Becky was a single mom, a nurse with three kids, and people are just horrified. Like we've been saying, horrified that like in this quiet, cute little town that somebody could break into her house and just kill her in the middle of the night. Yeah. So she has three kids, all boys, 12, 10, and 5 years old. Yeah. And the boys, thankfully, weren't home. When this happened, they were staying with their father, Tim Bleefnick, and he lived about a mile away. And now we meet Becky's older sister, Sarah. So Sarah describes how she learned about the murder of her sister. She was on vacation with her husband, Brett, who is here. It's a living nightmare. How fast can we get to the airport, fly back to New York, unpack our swimsuits and pack funeral clothes and get out to Quincy, Illinois? And just holding each other up in screaming grief. He said we were both holding each other up in screaming grief. Sarah and her husband, Brett, seem very close. They seem to have, like, a very strong bond. Yes. Girl, Factor is back. I use Factor every single day. You just jumped out of your seat and said those words. I had Factor for lunch today. Factor is the ready-to-eat meals that make eating better every day easy. So you know I've been on this, like, health kick, right? Yes, absolutely. Factor has all these different kind of meals. They're the kind that, like, they come pre-made. They're never frozen. They're always delicious and filling. You can pick them all on the website, and you can go by, you can look for high protein, or you can look for calorie conscious, which I look for. Or you can, like, throw all that out the window and just get, like, whatever. But I eat Factor every day. The food is delicious. You never get sick of it. You pop it in the microwave. It's ready in two minutes. Wow. They all come with vegetables and proteins. There's like pastas under 500 calories. Oh, my God. It's so, so good. Let me tell you, they also have snacks, smoothies. Yep. You can discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast or midday yes. bites. Whatever you're in the mood for, they have. I'm going home after a recording set. I'm having another Factor for dinner. They mail it right to your house. Yeah. And Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. I'm telling you, every one of them comes with vegetables, and the vegetables are yummy. Sometimes yeah. the vegetables have a little bit of butter on them. Okay. (laughs) Happy to have them. It's also flexible for your schedule, fam. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Yeah, they're like 100% ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping. There's no cooking. There's no cleanup. It's all right there ready for you. And it all is like, it tastes super fresh. It doesn't feel... That's the thing. It doesn't feel like plasticky. It doesn't feel or taste like, oh, this just came out of the freezer. No, it's like, oh, who made me this delicious meal? So, fam, head to factormeals.com slash obsessed50 and use code Obsessed50 to get 50% off. That's code Obsessed50 at factormeals.com slash Obsessed50 to get 50% off. Do it. I use it every day. They're so good. And it's so easy. You don't have to think about what you're eating. Two minutes. Oh, God, I love it so much. Let's do it. Tim and Becky were in the process of getting divorced. Yeah. And Tim, again, the soon-to-be ex, they're separated. Tim hadn't heard from Becky, so he asked Becky's father to check on her. 
And that's why her father was the person who discovered her. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Tim, the ex-husband, is going to be a suspect here. And all I could think about was, like, if he did this, like, the JonBenet Ramsey of it all. I know. Where, Sending like, someone in. The dad sends somebody else to find the body so that, yeah. like, the dad can then be horrified. You know, like, it's... Yeah, we've seen it definitely before. It, it's an M.O. Like, yeah. they say, like, it's a hallmark of, like, having to then look at that person who, like, sent the... But, I mean, we, we will also learn that the divorce was acrimony. Like, they were mm. not speaking. So it, was it bad. makes sense. Sense that he that he wouldn't have been the person to go to the house because they weren't on speaking terms anyway. Yeah. So we get sort of like the the prosecutors and based on what they learned from the cops, they kind of walk us through what they think happened. Yeah. Police quickly determined that the killer had broken into Becky's home by prying open an upstairs window in one of the children's bedrooms. The person had climbed up on there. There was a patio chair that was pulled over. They walked past. Becky's windows. And we have video of like one of the cops reenacting kind of how easy it would have been to do this. It really is terrifying. They just like moved a patio chair over, used the patio chair as a step. Yeah. To hoist themselves onto the roof where they walk past Becky's. Like the roof is flat. So there's a, and there's a lot of space to walk. Like he's walking past the bedrooms. And that's another thing. He's walking past the bedrooms. He doesn't go into the first bedroom he sees. Exactly. This person goes through the third. So there was like a lot of space to walk on the the roof and they kicked in Becky's bedroom door like super violently once he was in the house. Right. Like we we learned that the intruder broke into the kids room with a crowbar, gets into the house, knows where Becky's room is. And again, not the the first one. Like the visual is kind of hard, but there are like three windows and he walks past them a little bit. It's not just like, oh, let's get into the house so people don't see me on the roof. Like he knew where he was going. It feels like. Right. The thing that they also don't discuss but stood out to me, nothing was stolen and she wasn't sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. So it seems like the person went there with the mission to kill kill her. her. It wasn't like it was a robbery gone wrong. Like nothing was taken. Right. You know? Right. And why are you going through the kids' rooms? Like, wouldn't the kids maybe be home? Right. I mean, it, or, that's a pretty big risk. Is it? Was it random? Did you just get lucky? Like, it definitely is pointing to the person who went in, knew the kids weren't going to be there, right. and knew what, like, knew where the bedrooms were. Like, if the point was to kill Becky, also, why didn't he just go straight in through her window? I don't know. Because it would have taken too long to open the window. He yeah. had to get into another room where she wouldn't have seen him. Right. You know. So the prosecutors say you could almost trace their path to Becky's room. They had kicked in or broken in the door violently. Becky then ran into the bathroom, turned around, and got shot. What time do you believe the intruder entered the house? So it would have been around 1.11 in the morning. They say that this happened around 1.11 in the morning because at 1.11 and 10 seconds in the morning, Becky tried to call 911. It's so heartbreaking, this poor woman. They say she dialed 91126 and then the phone was knocked out of her hand. It was found behind the door. And like, this is where I made the note. Like, can we just take a minute to acknowledge how fucking terrifying that must be? I know. It's everybody's worst nightmare. So he breaks into your house. You're completely vulnerable. Yeah. And it, I mean, she must have been asleep. Yes. You know? And that's God. why, like, you know, Josh, the prosecutor, like, he goes to pains to make us understand how terrified she must have been and how she died in pain. Like, yeah. none of the shots killed her instantly. She bled out on the bathroom floor. Right. But they say nothing appeared to be stolen. The neighbors didn't see or hear anything. But there was evidence left behind. They say they found a, a partial shoe print near the point of entry and eight spent nine millimeter shell casings. And small pieces of plastic on the floor 
around Becky's body and they don't know what it is yet. But yeah. it, it definitely stuck out. Like, what the hell could this be? We do get an answer to this, thank God. Yes. Because we see the pl- they are pieces of plastic. You don't know what they're to and you don't know why they're there and why the killer would have left them. And you don't know what kind, from the first photo, you don't know what kind of plastic yet. Right, yeah. So we'll, we'll get into and that it's later. Odd. Like, we've never seen anything like that at a crime scene before. And how many of these have we done? Wait, what? Uh, you know? So luckily, one of Becky's neighbors had security cameras installed. The Hymans. But... Okay, so someone's broke into their car. Yeah. And so they put up a camera facing the driveway, and it also faced Becky's house. And I totally get the impulse. Yeah. I understand that. But, like, isn't it a little late for security cameras? What do you mean? They already broke into the car. Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I, I understand it. I would yeah, yeah, do it, too. Yeah. I, I guess it's in a way to just feel like if they come back for something else. But yeah. it's kind of like security cameras could have helped last week. I know. <laughs> simply simply safe is back. Like, no, but it, but it is true. But I would do the same thing. I would have cameras all over the place. I'm one of those people that, like, I know that, like, Big Brother is why. I know that people don't like this or whatever. But put cameras everywhere. Put cameras everywhere. I want to be able if somebody gets murdered, if one person's gets murdered I want a camera to tell me who did it I know you know what I mean if I had like a real house I yeah. would I would probably have cameras but this is what I'm saying like this is why I like living in a city even living in an apartment building that like you have to like get in the front door then you have to like get in the elevator then you have to decide to find my apartment and come in and kill me. I like you would feel safe in an apartment but like the people who live in houses yeah. with trees and backyards and, and like windows where you can see out into I the backyard I can't even like growing up the back of my house faced the woods that was the most terrifying thing yeah. Night when you like turn off the lights, yeah, and you have to run up the stairs before the man who lives at the bottom of the stairs grabs oh God, your feet. Like scream where she turns the lights. In the oh patio. my God! I, can't. I know it's terrifying. So, but here's the thing: the camera is motion censored. Yes. All these cameras, right? So it didn't catch anything on the night of the murder. But there is something from 24 hours earlier. We've slowed down some of the videos so you can see them better. At 1:05 a.m., a person was seen walking down the driveway towards the back of Becky's house. And what appeared to be that same person was seen again 48 minutes later, this time walking in the opposite direction. And we don't know who it is, but it's at 1.05 a.m. And remember, Becky was killed almost exactly at that time the next night. Yep. And Sounds then, like a test run to me. I mean, and it's like we see the video and it is so ghoulish. Because like the way these, like it's black and white and you can't yeah. see the person's face. And he's, maybe I'm watching too much TikTok or whatever. I don't know. But like it look, it, he, that person looks like he's just out to murder somebody. Because then he comes back 48 minutes later walking in the opposite yes. direction. And they say the camera captured the same thing a week earlier on February 14th, Valentine's. Day. And we have learned a lot about Valentine's Day doing this podcast. Right. It's a very, very dangerous day for people in abusive relationships. Oh, I forgot that. You're right. Valentine's Day is a very dangerous day for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's like that's what really struck me was like, oh my God. The idea that this person was stalking her for the week, but like knowing that he was going to kill her for the entire, it's yeah. so terrifying. So the, but the neighbors called Becky about the Valentine's Day footage. Yes. And she's like, oh, that's weird. Cause I'm pretty sure I heard people talking in my driveway and my motion lights went on. Yeah. So what the hell's going on? And like, I have a note here. I'm watching this at 4 a.m. in the dark and I am screaming. Okay. We'll turn the light on. <laughs> By Problem the way, solved. today was one of those mornings I woke up at 4 a.m. and realized at 10 a.m. that I didn't need to. I could have slept. 
slept until six. Yeah. I had extra time today. I think that's <laughs> most four a.m. wake ups. I mean, I definitely like reconsidered when the alarm went off this morning. I was like, no, just get up. Yeah. Like you'll get it done early. You'll be happy. No, I, you weren't due at the coal mine this morning, no. bright and early. You could have slept I did, in. I did have to walk uphill both ways. Okay. I, it was snowing today. It was this, snowing. Today's like the day of the big storm, everybody. I cannot get warm. I cannot get warm in this godforsaken city in the winter. It is so cold. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The other day, it was gorgeous out at 10 a.m., and I almost texted you an apology. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that like, the sun is shining. <laughs> I'm really not a miserable show. I, I, I promise. I know, I know. No, I know. Here's what, you know what I don't like? What? I can have a nice, beautiful morning. Yeah. You want to know what I hate? What? Like 95 degrees with 95% humidity in August. I get it. I get it. It's just that that I don't like. Okay. So you're, I don't have to apologize when it's a nice day. No. Okay. Nice days are nice. <laughs> but like sweltering hot where it feels like you want to rip your skin off and you just can't have any relief and then you can't sleep. The dead of August I is know. like what kills That's me. That's how I'm feeling about the cold right now. Like I just right. feel like I will never be warmer. So I took a bath in the middle of the day. Steve was like, yeah. are you taking a bath? But it's not like I'll disintegrate if I see sunlight. <laughs> Can we just set the record straight? <laughs> Not a miserable shrew, I assure you. We should change the name of this podcast to The Taming of the Miserable Shrew. <laughs> Uh, shoe or shrew? Shrew! Let's go shrew. Okay, great. So, obviously, investigators want to try to find out more about the video. They continue canvassing the neighborhood. They find video from another house. This is wild. Yeah. The, from another house in a thing called the Quincy Bus Barn. <laughs> I think that's where the buses go to sleep at night when they're yeah. not being used to transport the kiddos. <laughs> Do they look like... What is that? That train? Thomas the Train? The uh, faces like the movie Cars? <laughs> they all talk to each other. Yeah, Aww. there's like a little contention between like the blue one. Oh and my the god! I sounds like the Quincy Bus Barn's a fun place to be. Yeah. But the videos show a person riding a bike in the direction of Becky's house. And after analyzing the video, they think that bike guy and driveway guy are the same person. Right. So they're able to say, like, they they think that bike guy and driveway guy are the same because they're able to time up the videos. And when they see the guy on the bike, it's just like a minute later that they see this, that right. they see a person in the driveway of Becky's house. Yeah, based on, like, the timing and location. Yeah. So it's like, however this the killer got there, he rode the bike to a point and then, and then walked the rest of the way. Right. And even though there was no video from the Hyman residence on the morning Becky was killed, there was video of a person on a bike riding in the direction of Becky's house right before the murder and in the opposite direction right after. There is footage of a single person riding a bike to Becky's house right before the murder and then riding from Becky's house after the murder. So, like, this person's involved, right? So, it's like, it's, it's bike guy, right? They, they saw bike guy doing the, the, the test right. run with driveway guy. Then, like, the night of the murder, they see bike guy and the driveway guy Who again. Who is riding their bike at 1 a.m. in February? Well, literally, Prosecutor Laura is like, this is not a town where you have people riding their bikes in the middle of the night in the middle of winter. So, this is suspicious. Like, if you if it's one time, it's like, oh, that's an emergency. They had right. to get something <laughs> or whatever. But, like, to do it repeatedly? I'm trying to imagine the bike emergency at 1 in the morning. Like, you're super high and you just need your Ben and Jerry's. Right, or like, whatever. I'm going to the Walmart. That's fine. <laughs> like, you know better than to drive. You know what? I'm just going to take the Schwinn. I'm going to take the bike. I'm going to take the Oh, and also... That's like Ducky from... From Pretty in Pink, right? Drinking yeah. and driving don't mix. That's why I ride a bike. John Cryer, he's like a big true crime he's podcast huge. person now. He's yeah, like yeah. making moves. He's amazing. I know. But we should also point out that the this bike has no reflectors on it. That becomes like an important identifying detail of this right. bike later. And so the footage 
is god awful. Okay, yes. so you can't tell who this person is. They need more leads. And Becky's sister Sarah's like, hey, I have a lead. Yes. You should totally look at her ex-husband Tim or soon-to-be ex-husband Tim. Yeah, and like the way that she's saying it to us, like she's really suspicious. Now, we've seen that Tim is here and I'm like, he wasn't giving me murdery vibes. I was like, but, okay. And we also, they have the camera positioned where it's like, where is he? So it took where me until my, is he? my second time watching it. I was like, oh, because yeah, at first he's wearing regular clothes. Right. He's in a nondescript room. It could be anywhere. But then I was like, wait, girl, are you coming to us live from prison? Maybe. Where are you? Travel down the road and back again. Can I tell you something? Yes. So our friends at ZipRecruiter conducted a recent survey and found that the top hiring challenge employers face for 2024 is the lack of qualified candidates. But if you're an employer, yeah. right, and you need to hire, here's some good news. Yeah. ZipRecruiter has smart tools and features that help you find more qualified candidates fast. And right now, fam, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash TCO. We've used ZipRecruiter a hundred times. It's always worked out amazingly. Yeah, so here's how it works. You post your job, and as soon as you do, ZipRecruiter's super powerful matching technology shows you candidates whose skills and experience match it. So they're doing the searches for you. You don't have to pour through the resumes yourself. Like, literally, ZipRecruiter sends the candidates to you. Yeah, and then they have this thing that's called Invite to Apply. Yes. So then you hit the Invite to Apply feature, and they send top candidates a personalized invite to encourage them to respond to your job post. So it's kind of like a little nudge. Yes. Also, they have a rating tool to rate your candidates. They'll send you more matches from new profiles that are created oh, on the site. So it's like, yeah, this profile had some of what we're looking for, so send more of this. Exactly. Amazing. It's so, like, they've always sent us really amazingly qualified people. That's amazing. So, fam, let ZipRecruiter help you conquer the biggest hiring challenge, finding qualified candidates. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. We did. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. Here it is, fam. ZipRecruiter.com slash TCO. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash TCO. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And you are a smart pants. I, it's true. And, and they, I say that as a compliment. Thank you so much. They make it so easy. Yeah. They make me look good. I was talking to our listeners, but you're smart too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Becky's sister immediately thought it was Tim and she told her husband, Brett, who's like, of course it's Tim. Like, yes. it's definitely Tim. So this is where I was saying, I wanted to say earlier, what were the family barbecues like back before the divorce? Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, so Brett and Sarah, the sister and her husband, seem like they're a very strong couple. Yeah. And then Becky and Tim, we'll learn more about their backstory in a minute, but I'm like, they were so quick to like say it was definitely Tim. Did they just fucking hate this guy the whole time? I don't think the whole time, because like most of these abusers, it's like puppies of rainbows for a little bit, yeah. and then the mask comes off. Yeah. So here's the story of Becky and Tim. They met in college, but they didn't start dating until two years after graduation. Yes. The two eventually moved in together, married, and started a family. Becky quit her job in pharmaceutical sales to become a stay-at-home mom, while Tim continued his successful career in the recycling industry. I was like, I've never heard of a job in the recycling industry. And like, okay, great. I'm let's, glad to know that there's money to be made. Let's save the earth. Let's save the earth. But it's interesting because when they, when Aaron Moriarty asked him to describe Becky, he doesn't have a lot to say. Yeah, it's odd. Like, he, he picks and chooses when he wants to say things. And there yeah. are many times where he's like, I, I won't get into that. Right. And this is one of the times where he just won't 
He's talk like talk about Becky. She was happy. She was fun. She, she was liked beautiful. Wearing t-shirts sometimes, uh, right? Because it's wore like pants other times. She's the mother of your children. Like you would think, especially she's now, brutally murdered. Brutally murdered. And if you didn't do it now in death, wouldn't you be looking back and be like, I should have been nicer. I yeah. should have been be-. like, yeah, the marriage didn't work out, but but. But we'll learn why he's not doing that. And the mother of my children is dead. Right. And I like, oh Brutally. my God. Brutally. And we don't know who did it. And oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Right? Yes. So the first five years we learned were great, right? I, that sounds about right. Becky was very happy. But Sister Sarah is like, yeah, but eventually, like slowly but surely, things started to change. Tim was getting more and more manipulative, more and more controlling and lazy. Like he wasn't contributing to the family or the house or the relationship. It's so bizarre. Like the idea that he's going to go to a super successful recycling job and come home and not wash a dish. I just don't, right. I just don't, people like that, I do not understand. It's, it feels, because we meet Shannon, right? Yeah. Becky's best friend. And Becky was always complaining about Tim and Shannon was like, when she'd come over and we'd talk husbands as wives do, she felt like she was shouldering most of the load. I thought, man, I really have a partner here and she doesn't seem to have that partnership. Tim feels like, based on what Sister Sarah and best friend Shannon are saying, one of those guys who will, like, babysit his own kids. Uh-huh. Not, like, just, uh-huh. to, like, oh, like, I'm helping you so much by the... No, you're just raising our you're kids just, with me. You're just raising the kids. Like, like I'm, you're, be- you're doing this with me. Uh-huh. You're not, like, helping me out by washing them for a minute so I can take a shower. It makes me so crazy because it's, like, anybody who's been alone with their own kid for five minutes knows how hard that is. Because it's just, like, I'm, I know, like, to our audience, it goes without saying, and it, we don't need... But we have to say it, that, like, him doing his, like, high-powered recycling job and coming home and not washing a dishes because, well, you have the easy job of staying home and raising the kids. I oh, guarantee you her job is a hundred times harder than your job. But still, it's also the way he views the relationship. Yes. It, the, like, to me, that's just the over arching point of this or arcing I over arcing I've heard you say over I think it's overarching but I've never heard you say it before really <laughs> so. is it because it's wrong <laughs> no, over no, no. arcing over, overarching over, which one is it is correct okay. over, I've definitely never heard over arcing is that like what Noah did it's when what, exactly the- what Noah did <laughs> And Joan. It's what Joan did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what Joan did. You know what? She way overarched. Yeah. Joan way overarched. Way more than Noah. You know what I mean? Two apiece? There are people who believe that the Noah story is real and that you can find that, that that somebody's going to go out there and find the ark. Like it's in a, like it's in the, buried in the side of a mountain somewhere. People believe it's real. I I will, however, tell you that if I was ever on a cross country trip and I was, there was like a roadside attraction where you could come and experience the ark, I would do it. Okay. I also would have gotten on the boat. Well, it was just for animals, right? I guess so, but I would have been a stowaway in like a little kangaroo pocket <laughs> or like in a kangaroo costume yeah me on the ark in a kangaroo costume i'd be like I'd you are like very much a kangaroo <laughs> look i even punch yeah. like a kangaroo <laughs> what is it about feisty. me that, that gives you kangaroo energy i uh, the jumping yeah <laughs> i went straight i didn't i actually didn't go to the muscular arms and the no, fighting no, no. stance i just went to the jumping yeah. no me the cartoonish either. jumping yeah, 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 which yeah, yeah. i'm sure an expert would tell me they don't really jump that much but- which it is fine i guess i am kind of a kangaroo kind of grumpy you know what i mean are they grumpy i think so they just look like very don't fuck with me and i won't they seem so cute but they will punch you in the face you know what i mean it's like they're like daisy that way does she punch (laughs) she might if she had to she would she certainly would smart yeah the point is yeah this guy tim is very like oh yeah i guess i'll help with the kids like no no no. like (laughs) wow we we took a long way around to get to that to get to that once again but it's true now 
Tim sucks because yeah. things got even worse for Becky when Becky went back to school to become a nurse. Like, he wasn't supportive. He didn't help around the house. He says it was out of concern for her well-being. Because of the stress piece of it. Were you worried you'd have to pick up more of the work with the kids? Not at all. I, I've always been involved with the kids every day. Aaron Moriarty says to him with a straight face, you mean you were worried that you'd have to hang out with the kids? And exactly. he's like, no, 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 no. Right. But Aaron clocked him immediately. And, and yeah. for Aaron, for a host of a show like this to call him out, being like, let's get real, Tim. You just didn't want to be a parent, right? I know. And, and that's really she true because him right out. Sarah, the aunt, says like he did not increase his time with the kids, you know? Yeah. And nursing school is fucking hard. Of course it is. You know what I mean? Of course. So by January 2021, Tim files for divorce after 11 years. Which I was like, tell me more about that. Well, I would love to know, but Tim is being very cagey about why he filed. Well, here's my, my, what I mean by that is I think that Becky might have been too afraid to because the other thing that we've learned is that women or people are the most in danger when they make the decision to leave. leave. So like, because we're going to learn that like Becky was being treated really fucking shittily by him. And I think she wanted to file for divorce, but I think she might have been in fear of her own safety. Right. Because like Tim isn't saying anything about why he filed. He won't give any details. And he's kind of alluding to the fact that it's because Becky changed after she became a nurse. But Sister Sarah is like bullshit. bullshit. She doesn't buy it for a second. And she's no. like, this is all about control. Becky wanted to go to counseling and Tim refused. Right. So he was just kind of going to like leave her holding the bag. Like, oh, you have this like stressful job. Like now you're going to be a single mom. Like, And it's right. You have three young kids. You know what I mean? Right. Like if Steve and I fell out of love tomorrow, I think I would do anything in the world to reconnect so that we could like, and, and, and everybody's on their own journey. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about anybody else's relationship, but yeah. I would very much want to try to, I like, of course you would want to try to make it work. Right. And then, but if you can't, after 11 years, if it's just not working. Yeah. But it is interesting that Tim filed. It's, uh, I know. stand by it. I think she, we're going to learn he was being violent was being towards violent her towards and her. I think she was afraid. Right. Because Aaron, our host, is like, things between the two soon turn contentious. According to divorce documents, they fought over just about everything. Money, the marital home, and custody of the kids. I don't understand why it got so contentious if you were the one who wanted to get out. Why is it so contentious if you wanted to leave? So, okay, here, I have some questions about this because they say the divorce was contentious. They they say they fought about over just about everything, money, the house, custody of the kids. I think this is totally normal. I, I think, think that uh, yeah. if, you're, if you're in a divorce, like you, like most people going through a divorce don't really like each other. Right. And so like, these are the things you fight over. I don't think that's that weird. I guess what Aaron is maybe thinking, maybe I'm projecting, is yeah. that like, then Tim, why are you talking to us? If uh-huh. you're not going to give us any details, it's forcing our host to ask you questions like that. So if you're not going to explain like, you know, like because she says, like, then what was the problem? And he's like, well, there are details I can't talk about. Uh-huh. And it's like, then why are we here, Tim? Yeah. What are we doing here then? Yeah. If you don't want to talk about it, fine. But then why are you wasting my time? You know, it, it was even still at this point in my first watch of this that I was kind of like, I don't know. Like, I don't, because we haven't yet really learned about the abuse and we mm-hmm. haven't really learned about, and he, and, and he presents like a normal guy, which I think can happen. Right. You know? Well, Let's talk about the texts. Yes. Because we have a lot of texts from Becky to her friends, and they are not good. Yeah, and these all happen, according to the show, after he filed for divorce, but she sends a text to a friend that says, He has screamed in my face. He shoved me in front of the kids and has thrown things across the room. And she texted another friend, I truly believe Tim has serious mental health problems, and he is becoming more vengeful and unpredictable. 
and he is becoming more vengeful and unpredictable. This is someone who is reaching out for help. But so then we're back with the Tim interview and he's saying, look, like she was making up lies about me. He says she told people I had an affair, which is untrue. There's no way for us to know. No way to know, no way to know if she was saying that and no way to know how true it yep, is. Because yep. where are the texts about that? Right. She said he says she was she was telling people that I was an alcoholic, which wasn't true. Again, same same caveats there. Yeah, and he says she was telling people these things because she was angry about the divorce, which he has the benefit of being able to say because he's the one who who officially filed for the divorce. Right. But we we have no way to, of knowing. Right. And now we get like Tim wants to get an order of protection against Becky. Yeah, this is where they start trying to use orders of protection against each other, and they, none of them work. Right. I'll say that now. Yeah. Which is pretty devastating but we have video of an argument now i want to really break this down because first of all there's zero context for this yeah so they're at like parent teacher night yeah and tim is recording becky stop the letter i'm asking you to stop harassing me and stop i'm not harassing me. you i'm at- make a copy for i don't you. want you to take me then don't stop ta- doing this don't take me i don't then stop the video me. is so weird because there's no context and it's it appears and tell me if you got like a different vibe from this that becky is asking him to sign something and he is refusing it's like when the breakdown of communication gets to this point, nothing can be done without a lawyer. Right. So it's sort of like, why is anybody, why are I, I get that you have to, you both have to go to the parent teacher night. I get that. But like, it should be, you go and you leave. And like, I am team Becky. I am Becky's side a hundred all day, every day. But like Becky, you're never, he's never going to sign it. All he's going right. to do is try to make, take a video of you to try to make you look crazy. But that's what I mean. This yeah. is a tactic. Yes. I think filming her was a tactic because narcissists do this a lot, right? Like they push you and push you and push you. They get you to react and then they use that reaction against you. 100%. And that is, I think, what Tim was doing to her. Because it could be audio, video, or just being infuriating in an argument or editing footage. But I think like she probably, he probably has been refusing to sign whatever this permission slip is or whatever. It doesn't matter. No, I just want, like, for me, I just want somebody to take Becky by the hand and say, like, this all has to go through your lawyers. But he's ne- whatever, I mean, what, even if it feels fine. like the most urgent thing, it's he's never going to do it. And that's totally fine. But yeah. I think the use of this video, even here in 48 hours is not fair because it's totally out of context. Yes. Tim doesn't explain it. Aaron Moriarty doesn't explain it. It's a 10 second clip of someone reacting to someone who's fucking infuriating and mean to them. And it's also like, like, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but Tim, you are in no physical danger from this person. She's not harassing you. Just walk walk to your car and get in and go away. Walk away. You have three kids with this person. Walk away. Yeah. That was a tactic. Filming her was a tactic. I I totally agree. And and frustratingly, 48 hours sort of played into it. Yes, that's what I mean. And like, they didn't ask about content or if they did, like we didn't hear any like, and so what happened before or even according to Tim, I'll take anything. Yeah, yeah. Even though I won't believe Tim. I agree. I just, there it was kind of nothing there so it was kind of like, why are we, do- it felt like like I shouldn't be seeing Becky in this situation. It felt it felt mean that I was seeing her in this like vulnerable, like emotionally abusive place. I agree. It didn't feel right. Travel Girl, Ritual is back. Yeah. Look, you know it is dark and gloomy. The sun is, if there is even sun, it's gone by two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I think we all need to focus on our vitamin D a little bit more. 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. Yeah, but Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. So you know where this is going. So t- you've been on the Ritual now for 100 years since Just they've been about. with us. Tell us why you love it. So you can't, like their whole thing is that you can't get everything from just like, 
like your diet and existing yeah. every day. So everything is in this minty fresh yeah. <laughs> dose of ritual. So they have nine key ingredients in two delayed release capsules. You take two capsules a day and then they optimize your body's absorption. So you're getting everything you need. Fam, we've been saying it for forever. Ritual is a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. The whole idea is that you know what you're putting into your body, right? right. You, you're filling in the gaps that you're not getting in your diet and uh-huh. you can also read and understand everything on the label so you know what you're putting in the body. Yeah, and Ritual Multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and again, made traceable so you know what you're taking every single day. You wouldn't do it if it wasn't like that. Yes, that's absolutely true. (laughs) So fam, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash TCO. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's Ritual. Ritual.com slash TCO for 20% off. We love you, Ritual. We love you. Minty Fresh. Don't forget the Minty Fresh. Absolutes. Speaking of people we shouldn't be seeing in any situation. Oh, God. <laughs> we now get to meet Casey Schnack. Oh. She's one of Tim's divorce attorneys. Not a girl's girl, Casey. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, Casey is, Casey's a piece of work because when, we'll get there when we get there, but when Tim gets finally, like, charged with the murder, mm. she goes from being his divorce attorney to being his defense attorney, to which I think. fingers crossed, girlfriend, maybe. I know, I know. But I'm like, isn't that two different sets of skills? You know what I mean? I think so. Like, if I were to get charged with somebody's murder, I don't think I'd be calling my real estate attorney. I don't, I would hope not. You know what I mean? Or at least, do you know a good lawyer I could use? I, you exactly. call, like, did you right. meet each other at the meeting? Yeah, or not, something? not you, know. though. Not you, but you know what I mean? else. Yeah. So we'll get back to Casey, but we learn. Days after Tim filed for that order of protection and more than a year before her death, Becky sent her sister Sarah this text. If something ever happens to me, please make sure the number one person of interest is Tim. She would later make similar statements to friends. We learned that this text to her sister was prompted by the fact that one of Becky's nursing colleagues was murdered by her partner. And this is when Becky is saying she's scared and this could easily happen to her. My only question, and there could be completely valid answers for this, I wish there was a more formal... I wish she had gone to the police or, or you know what I mean, had gone to, like, somebody and, like, made a formal complaint. That, I, although I guess she's trying she, to. Let me tell you something. I've sent a text like that. You don't send a text like that if you don't really feel you it. You just get it on the record. You just say well, it. I want to say again, I am Team Becky all day, every day. Nobody should be living it's, through this. I'm just saying it's that, It's a like, way to write it down to yeah. a trusted friend instead of walking into someone who's bored by the paperwork of filing a police report. I'm sorry, I'm saying it. Yeah. To then say it out loud to someone you don't know and you're just like a person walking through the door. Saying it to a trusted friend. Which is why Becky, when like as soon as 48 Hours put a camera in her face, she was like, Tim did it, Tim fucking did it, Tim right. did it, Tim did it. Like my sister said he was going to. Right. When you send a text like that, you are doing it because you are feeling something in that moment. That yeah. is, you don't fuck around with a text like that. I, t- I, I know. No, I know. And and I can't imagine the feeling of being trapped when you have three young kids, you know, you've got a new career That's in nursing. That's the other thing. She like, doesn't want the kids taken away. Like, yeah. it's a safe way for her to express that. Yeah. And when she can't just like up and leave. Right. You know? And Tim, of course, it cuts back to Tim and Tim is like, I never understood where that came from. We would get into arguments and sometimes we would get loud, but that's all it amounted to. 
he's saying it never got physical. She's she, got an answer for everything. Yeah, well, except for the things that he legally can't That he answer. can't talk about. Yeah. So, but Sarah, her sister, suggests that Becky get some help from an organization that specializes in domestic violence. And so Becky files an order of protection against Tim. But doesn't get it. It's not granted. She In, in her petition, she says Tim entered the residence without her <sighs> permission. He repeatedly falsified interactions between them. When I took a minute to really think about what that meant, he's lying to me. He's it's making the video. A, yes. And he's yes. making her react, filming her reaction, and then blaming her for it. That's what falsifying their interactions totally. are. And 48 hours played right into it. Right. And we learned that the order of protection wasn't granted. And so eventually the judge is like, look, I think that's bullshit, by the way. Yeah. Eventually the judge says, look, stay away from each other's homes unless you're dropping off the kids or anything to do with the kids. But other than that, just stay away from each other. I know. And I just have this note. I'm like, I know this happens, but Jesus Christ. I know. Because later, Casey, his attorney, is going to say, hey, show me the pictures of her with the bruises on her face and the broken arms. It's like, That's Casey, not the only kind of abuse, Casey, you fucking idiot. It's not. It, that, that's also not the only kind of abuse that escalates to murder. You know what I mean? Of like, course. if he's like, also, there are ways that he can physically abuse her without leaving marks. Right. You don't get a bruise from stalking, but you can still end up dead. Right. You can't get a bruise from harassment. Or if he's like shoving but you her or telling her, I'll kill you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Casey's you shouldn't need that kind of evidence to be able to get an order of protection. And my question is, what kind of evidence do you actually need yeah. to get an order of protection? I think Casey's dangerous. I'm saying it. Yeah. She's saying a lot of things that she should not be saying about relationships. And- she's also a divorce attorney who's acting as a criminal defense right. attorney. Like, she's like, Tim is not also in good hands yeah, by she her. She should know a little bit more about relationships when they deteriorate them. Yeah. She's an idiot. So, but here's the other thing. Tim, because the judge was like, just stay away from each other unless it's about the kids. And the judge also ordered Tim to return a nine millimeter handgun that Becky had gifted him when they were together. She wanted that particular gun back because the gun was in her name. But Becky never got it back. And it was a nine millimeter handgun that was later used to kill her. I have not seen that gun in three years. I didn't have it. Tim had to, like, surrender his weapons, couldn't be around Becky unless it's about the kids, but the gun was never returned to Becky. And and Tim is here to say, like, I haven't seen that gun in three years. Okay. I don't have it. Also, Tim, like, once again, gun owners, I'm, I'm just for sensible gun control. Have your yeah. gun sensibly. Tim, if somebody gives you a gun, it's in your fucking name, and now you don't know where that is, that gun is probably out on the street. That's the other thing. Now, what do I, you mean you don't know where it is? That's what I'm saying. Like, you have that, three kids. I, you don't know where it is? You don't know where the fucking gun is? You should be able to draw a map to where it is exactly. and have a 15-digit fucking alarm code on it yes. or lock on it. I could not find the word. <laughs> a 15-digit alarm code. Alarm lock on it. Um, and also, the divorce trial was set for a week after Becky's murder. I mean, this timing and all of these things adding up, it does not look good. Yeah. So we're told that when Sarah, the sister, informed law enforcement of the, of the history here, Tim becomes a person of interest. And they say the investigators kept digging and a few days later, remember the bike that the bike guy was seen riding? At 1 o'clock in the at morning. At 1 o'clock in the in the morning, and then like one minute later was like seen in the driveway of Becky's house and that bike had no reflectors on the yeah. tires they find a bike like that that's the same color with no reflectors and it looks just like the bike on the surveillance video and the bike is found less than half a block from Tim's house is he really that stupid well that's my question does that make him look more guilty or less guilty yeah because I, it's like I, if, if that really was the murder bike wouldn't he have actually I mean maybe he just know. is so stupid maybe you know maybe he borrowed it I don't know maybe it's not even I don't know or maybe you're just not maybe he never even took into consideration the surveillance video so Probably he's not, not even thinking that anybody ever saw the bike anyway so it doesn't matter. Hey dummies out there listening yeah. which is not any of our listeners no. but if you just happen to be walking by and listening <laughs> 
Everything is recorded now. Yeah. This happened all in 2021. Yep. It's three years later. You are filmed everywhere, everywhere you go. I'm sorry. You think you're not. Yep. You are. And anywhere that there's a black spot, I want you recorded there. I want it recorded there. You can Mostly because be- I also want to see the ghosts in the middle of the night. Those are my favorite right. TikToks. Yeah, I yeah. love those. The creatures. Yeah, the creatures. That nobody can explain. <laughs> What's that? Why is that thing nine feet tall? I don't know. Ah! And then they know. run away. Yeah, it's like, And okay, that, that creepy, spooky music, which will keep me up. And then you, and then you go dreams. to their account and it's like, graphic editor. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> graphic designer. Like, okay, thanks. That was really cool. That scared me, totally. but it's epic. Yeah. How many documentaries have we seen where it's like, we can trace the person that Keith Morrison thing we did where like you have to like check into your office you yes. have to like everything is recorded we can trace you wherever you go and thank god uh, so they searched Tim's house in his car and two weeks after Becky's murder Tim is arrested in charge and Casey the divorce lawyer is now Tim's defense lawyer and I just wrote is that a thing it is now Tim like there's got to be another lawyer in that town that actually knows how to like take a, a criminal murder case to trial the thing that Casey is saying about her client Tim is that she's convinced police got it wrong he knew how much those kids meant to her and how much she meant to them. He wouldn't do this to them. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do this to them. I want to believe that that is true. I do too. I want to believe like these these parents who kill the other parent out of what, for revenge or what, just whatever, whatever. And you take both parents away. Oh, the thing the about Tim is that like he didn't want to raise these kids. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't want to raise them. They're, they're no. not, they're, these kids were nowhere in his mind. But people aren't thinking ahead. I know. So let's talk about Family Feud. Okay. Um, <laughs> da-da, da-da. <laughs> da-da, da-da. Do you That's think you would do well right. on Family Feud or no? I don't know. You know my favorite, like, big, like, blunder on Family Feud, right? No. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. It was things with a virgin in it. Oh, so it was God. like Virgin Airlines, Virgin Mary, Virgin Daiquiri, uh-huh. right? And it gets to this one woman, <laughs> oh, and she's no. like, um, because, you know, everyone is... No one is more supportive than the families on Family Feud. Yes, yeah, so everything is the yeah, best yeah. answer they've ever yeah, heard, no yeah, matter yeah. what. Yeah, yeah, good answer, yeah, yeah. good answer. <laughs> so the most egregious good answer I've ever seen oh, no. is in that Virgin category. She goes, "Um, Virgin Cheeseburger," and everyone's like, "Woo, yeah, Kathy, good answer." Virgin Cheeseburger survey says, like, but the family, God bless them, was going down with that ship. So my other there's like another TikTok that's going around of this like it's the final family feud where it's like the, oh the yeah rapid fast fire. money and it's it's like name a we kind surveyed of, 100 people top know, answers on the board yeah yeah name a kind of pet that only has three letters and it, dog but the guy's like uh with he's like, lizard know, the, the pressure <laughs> alligator. Supergirl, that's what I'm saying. Like I, that's why I would, I would cave. I would crack like, under the pressure. Yeah, you, it's one of those things where like you think you'd be good at yes. it, but I don't know no. with the the hot Steve under the hot lights would be in the great studio. At it. I don't know. I, I know. So anyway, it's 2019, two years before he filed for divorce. Tim yeah. is on the show with his parents and his brothers. Here's what happened. Steve Harvey says to him. Can I just say, we meet none of these people in this documentary. I'm no, sure no they one's were shown all up for Tim. Part- I mean, that, that is very fucking telling. Except his girlfriend slash lawyer. Yeah. Wannabe girlfriend. So here's what happened. Steve Harvey says to Tim. All right, Tim, we talked to 100 married people. What's the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Honey, I love you, but said I do. What's the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Tim's response is kind of going, like, looking off stage to Becky. Honey, I love you, but said I do. Now, remember. Yes. The point of the game 
is to get the top answers on the board. Yes, Steve yes. Steve Harvey of didn't say, what do you regret at your wedding, Tim? <laughs> I am not in the business of defending Tim. Yes. But like, this is all anyone can talk about, this and Tim's fucking hair. But listen, I remember when Tim got arrested. I didn't put it together until we got to this point in the documentary. But when I remember just like scrolling, what probably like a BuzzFeed thing that popped up oh, on listicle. Facebook. Yeah, like this man who just was arrested for murdering his wife said that like on Family Feud said that he regretted marrying. Her. It's very unfortunate. And Casey here is like, it was the number two answer on the board. <laughs> it was the number two answer. And it's like, board. all right, Casey, fair. I'll give it to you. <laughs> but again, Steve Harvey didn't ask, tell me your thoughts and feelings. Yeah. It was, we surveyed 100 people. The top right. seven answers are on the board. Yeah, no, it's there. Yes, of course. You're just trying to get the. You're grasping at straws God, here. God, I don't. What, like, give me another answer. What would you say? What what was the uh, biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Yeah. Uh, like your dress, your bridesmaid, inviting someone. The, uh -huh. the, the, the song you danced to. The okay, menu. All right, fine. You're great at everything, Jillian. I'm we just get saying. It. What yeah. would you? I mean, I think there are plenty of things, but especially and the, the answers get more and more virgin cheeseburger <laughs> when there are like eight answers on the board and we just need eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because out of a hundred, yes. you're looking for something that two or three people said. Oh my god. So it's, then it's you kind of have to right. think outside yeah, the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, saying I do, like how many? Dopey derfs I, were on the street know, being like, Who said I do? Or I'm with stupid or whatever. You know what I mean? Like wearing a who farted t-shirt. Like all these yeah, guys yeah. that are on that are on TikTok now about like just pranking their wives, but it's just mean, like uh -huh. throwing the cake in their face at their wedding and just like someone that guy who like ruined that woman's puzzle and the oh, look on her face. Yeah. Like these men are just horrible. And it's like these are out of a hundred people on the street. There's this one couple that I follow. They're amazing. They do this thing where they have like it's like either shaving cream or whipped cream balloons that they hang out. Like they'll throw a dart from across the room yeah. as the person's walking They're doing into the this room. inside? Yeah, they do it inside. And whenever it happens to like, whenever the one that gets like whipped creamed, they think it's hilarious. They're both in on it. They're both in on it. Okay. And they it's like, it ruins the living room for the whole day, but they Wonderful. don't care. I know. And it, they, they both think it's, they they always seem to never be expecting it. The other prank that I want to pull, if I pulled this on Steve, he would literally murder me. I got news for you. He would murder you with the, the balloon with, with the whipped cream. That would, yeah, he would kill me. But the one that I really want to do is the one with the saran wrap at face level. At That's face right out of Home Alone. <laughs> I know. That I is know. the Macaulay Culkin, Kevin McAllister playbook. If I put the saran wrap and Steve's like walking around the corner with his like coffee and a bagel and it like everything fell on him. And then the tar would, and feathers. He would never forgive me. And then make him, yeah. <laughs> totally. He's stepping on broken Christmas uh, ornaments. <laughs> and... <laughs> Next thing you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So people are talking about Family Feud and this guy's hair. So the thing is, there's all this chatter about the mugshot. Now, Sarah, the sister, makes a, an interesting point. She says, We had seen through social media the deterioration of his appearance. And that went hand in hand with the deterioration of his mental state over the course of the divorce. But Tim says that's not the case and that he had been growing out his hair for a fundraiser for cancer research. He says he's growing his hair out to raise money for cancer research. Right. I'm sorry, but I, I also don't know if, like, I don't know about this one. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know what else he was deteriorating. Was it he just had he just grew his hair out? Right, because what I want to say to Sister Sarah is, no, no, no. This guy's trick is that he was able to look like a totally normal person, but also right. be a diabolical bastard behind sure. the facade of looking put together. But Tim, this Tim. I will also say, 
if he if he killed Becky, I do think that like that haunts you. I do think that chain right. obviously that changes. And I you. believe Sister Sarah, they knew each other for eleven years. Yeah. Like I think she knows when something's a little off about uh-huh. someone. So yeah. I get it. But Tim also not only does he have an answer for everything, he also just starts lying because now he's saying. I mean, he probably was lying for a lot, but yeah. he's just like, I'm not angry. I've never been angry. I don't get angry. And I'm like, Tim. Yeah. Now you're just lying because like twenty minutes ago you said that you guys would have big fights that would escalate into screaming matches. Just say you were mad at her. Yeah. You were mad at Becky. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to say I I was we were furious at each other. We were at each other's throats and then also be able to say here's where that gun is. I didn't do this. I can't I I mourn for Becky. I'm sad for my kids. Right. Just say These are the things you'd be saying, right. But just just say I have to tell you. I know we were it was bad. Yes. It was really bad. We were fighting all the time. I wouldn't even sign up that release paper, that permission slip that she wanted yep. me to. I was filming her. It was bad. Yep. But for him to be like, I wasn't angry then. I'm not angry now. I've never been angry in my life. I'm just not buying it. No, I don't buy it either. And then we're back with his attorney, Casey. And Ugh. like, you know, they're saying Aaron Murray is like, the divorce wasn't pretty. But then Casey's got a point here because she's like, they were fighting over normal things, right? But like, this is the setup for like the big moment. This is horrible. Because Aaron Moriarty says to Casey, You know, there were a number of friends, mm-hmm. um, Becky's friends, who said that she expressed great fear of Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lot of girl talk. I've never seen any pictures of her with bruises, of marks, any allegations of him beating on her. Nothing. That's a lot of girl talk. I never saw pictures of bruises. Casey disbarred. I know. That that is that is so irresponsible and dangerous to say. I, I just can't believe it. I wonder if you as an attorney like do, are you really just willing to go to any lengths to get your client off? like he did this. And then sit in front of a camera and do it. Not just like in the privacy of a courtroom. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like willing to go on 48 hours and defend this guy about everything. She's not admitting anything either. Right. Just admit, yeah, they fought. It was bad. But as I said to my client, blah, blah, because blah. Because like, we'll get there in a minute. But like the thing that you and I were texting about earlier today was like, if not Tim, then who? Then who else is and it? And it's like when Casey gets confronted with that question, she's like, they, they wrote off too quickly the idea that this could have been a random burglary. Casey, no random no. burglar is going to shoot her 14 fucking times. How did this random burglar know the kids weren't home? Exactly. He went through one of the kids' room. How did, like, please, give well, me a break, And Casey. there's more evidence on that front when we get there, but it's like, th- like, if not Tim, then who? She wasn't sexually assaulted. Nothing was stolen from the house. The guy was in and out and 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 killed her in such a brutally personal way. Yeah. There's only one person it could be. And for her to say, I never saw pictures of bruises, is I know. so dangerous and ignorant and stupid of yeah. her to say. Like, you don't have to be... You can be scared of someone who isn't physically hurting you. Right. You can be bullied and harassed and and threatened by someone without showing a bruise, you idiot. And like I said before, there are kinds of abuse that can escalate to murder that are not physical, but also there are, is physical abuse that isn't going to leave a bruise. Yes. You know? Yes. So like it's, I mean, it really, it really is, it's like a horrifying thing to say I can't out loud. believe, and she says it with like this little smirk on her face and I'm like, Casey, that's not the win you think it is. Yeah, right. It's not the flex you think it is, no. Casey. It's a bad look for you. No. So Tim will start to say that he has an alibi for that night. That Let's he was, hear it, Tim. Can't wait. Tim says he was home with the three kids. The kids were sleeping over at his house and they were staying an extra night because Becky had asked him to keep them an extra night because she wasn't feeling well. Now, 
Number one, has anyone talked to the kids? Like, I mean, this all happened at one in the morning. The oldest was 12. Obviously, the kids are asleep. But like, Five, 10, and 12. Yeah. Would love to know if the kids heard the dad leave. Hey, did you happen to see a blue Schwinn bike without, mm. you know, without the reflectors on it, like randomly around the house? We don't know. And we don't know what Tim said to them. Right. To get him on his side. And the prosecutors are saying, no, 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 no. Jones and Keck believe Tim saw an opportunity. She showed weakness to a predator. And that's what predators do. When they see a weakness, they attack. When the predator sees weakness, the predator attacks. Basically right. saying, oh, I've got the perfect alibi. Tonight's the night. I've got the perfect alibi. The kids are with me. Mm-hmm. People are going to think that I, like they're my alibi. Right. And then I know she's not feeling well, and she's home alone, and I know how to get in, and I can get in through the room that she's like, Yeah, this you know, is a very easy situation for him to manipulate. Exactly. Again, the intruder came through the kids' rooms. Right. So Tim knew the kids weren't home and he went into the third room. So he walked by on the roof, two other rooms, knowing the easiest room to get to Becky. Right. So unfortunately, there's not a lot of physical evidence here. There's no murder weapon. There's no bloody clothing. There's no one else's blood. Yeah. The sh- Tim's shoes apparently didn't match the partial found at the scene and his DNA isn't there. Yeah, his DNA is not on the patio chair. They also like took every pair of gloves that Tim owned. None of them were linked to the crime. But it's also like, so of course he's going to throw away the murder clothes. Right. Of course he's going to like ditch the boots and right. the fucking gloves. And let's talk about the bike. What is he, OJ? What is he, OJ? So, boo. So, let's talk about the bike. Yes. On the one hand, how do we know that the bike that was half a block away is the bike from the video? And how do you know that the person in the video on the bike is the murderer? And also, like, Tim's DNA was not found on the bike. Right. But Remember, he's wearing long... It's the middle of the winter. He's wearing long pants and gloves. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the winter. It's cold. Yeah. Now, the prosecutors are like, yeah, well, we can link Tim to the bike. Tim had a fake Facebook account, and the name was John Smith, real original. (laughs) I know. And they say that John Smith Facebook account appeared to have been looking at this bike for sale. It's a blue Schwinn with no reflectors on the wheels, just like that bike that was found. It's a blue Schwinn with no reflectors on the wheels. It looks the same. Yes. And Casey. Casey is like, look, I have a fake account too. I'm not proud of it, but people have fake accounts, Aaron Moriarty. But do they? Do like, they? Why, Casey, why do you have a fake Facebook account? I think either she does have a fake Facebook account to like stalk people uh-huh. or, you know, just like I want to see. I don't know. Yeah. Or she's lying to protect her client. Yeah. Because she says it in this way where it's like, we all have fake internet accounts, do we? Right. But it like, but it's also just like, oh my God, you idiots. Like, none of that matters, right? All right. of that is beside the point because he was caught buying the murder bike. Right, right. It's And it just doesn't look good. Casey and Tim have answers for everything, but a lot of these things like need answers. Right. And the fact that they have them and Tim's never been mad at anyone a day in his life and this and this and but this. And you know, like, but on. also, can't we like, I don't know, can somebody go find the guy who sold the bike and see was it this the dirt bag who picked it I up know. from you? You know what I mean? I don't know. So I will say when Tim is arrested, he does one smart thing. Yes. So we all, anybody has the right to a speedy trial and no one ever takes that option because you want all the time in the world to prepare your defense. Tim says no. So this means that the prosecutors have to be ready in 90 days. Which they're like, they know how difficult it's that would be. It's not a lot of time. It takes years to prepare for, years to prepare for a murder trial. So on May 23rd, 2023, exactly three months after the murder of Becky Bleefnick, Tim is on trial. Yes. And here's the evidence that the prosecutors lay out. And this is where we focus on those pieces of plastic. So remember, there was like those weird pieces of plastic found near Becky's body. We didn't know what they were. And they didn't make any sense. Yeah. And apparently, they say investigators determined that they were shreds from an Aldi grocery store bag. And then in the defendant's house, 
we found stacks of Aldi bags. He'd fired through an Aldi bag either in an attempt to muffle the sound or to catch his shell casings. So they're saying that he either fired the gun through the bag to either muffle the sound or catch some of the shell casings. And they have DNA from those bags, too. Yes. And so an expert testifies that it's more likely than not that it's Tim's DNA. Then throw it away. Like, I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, I I know that, like, they even say in this episode that jury's expected to be airtight. It's his DNA to the five millionth degree. What does it mean more likely than not? That's not enough for me. So what they're saying is, I'm not arguing... I'm just saying like yeah. what they're saying is that Tim could not be excluded uh-huh. from the bag DNA and he could also not be excluded from the DNA under Becky's fingernails. But neither could the sons. So, so they're like, like this is not good evidence because they're saying that the DNA found under Becky's fingernails comes from Tim's paternal line. So him, his or dad relative. or his kids. Right. You know, and it, that opens Casey up to look smart for five seconds to be like, yeah, Tim couldn't be excluded. Neither could the children right. that live with her. And she's like, this is super cute. But everyone in town has these bags. Yes. Everyone is saving these bags or whatever. And I'm like, you're, but you're saving those plastic bags? I mean, well, but I think they're like the, I think it's plastic. It's not like plastic like the like a, like the old grocery bags. It's like bags. the Fresh Direct They're bags. like the reusable, yes, I exactly. See. So, and, and Casey's saying like, maybe Becky and Tim use those bags to transfer things for the boys. Like, right. maybe the bag is from Becky's house. Like, maybe, like, come on. It could be any. Like, this is not, I don't think this is great evidence. It's not. No. So, but also like, how did the pieces of plastic get there? Yeah. Like, it's weird that the bag well, was ripped in that and way. And we'll get there once. There's better evidence to come when right. we get to Tim's fucking computer. So, <laughs> Tim also has a crowbar. Yes. And they're wondering, like, did it make the marks that pried open the window at Becky's house? Maybe, maybe not. No one can say for sure. No it one could can really sure. go either way. Great. Yeah. The jury also heard about what they're calling a tumultuous relationship. And I'm like, but was it abusive? Right. There's one other piece of good evidence. They say prosecutors also say the timing of the murder is significant because it's just a week before the divorce was headed to court. And they were saying that there was more than just like money and custody in play. This is where they drop a fucking bombshell on us. Yeah. Becky had gathered witnesses who she said planned to testify about Tim's father, Ray Bleefneck, and would allege that he had a history of perversion and abusing minor children many years earlier. The alleged victims were not Becky and Tim's children. Now, the victims were not Becky's kids. No. But Becky wanted an order of protection against Ray... And the judge denied it. Well, because they're like the grandfather vehemently denies these allegations and he was never charged. So it's kind of just rumors. But the idea here. Is anyone going to listen to Becky? I know. Is anyone going to listen to a word she says? She's scared for her. She's scared for her kids. Yeah. Well, and we do learn that the grandfather was not allowed to be around the kids without other adults. But like, get this right. guy out of their fucking lives. But also, I was like, wait a second. Is this what Tim didn't want to mention earlier? So what that might be what he doesn't want to mention. But also they're saying that, like, did Tim kill her because this evidence was going to come out at trial? So, here's what happened. It's like, I don't know, Scott Peterson ordering 50 porn channels. Yes, It's kind of from that file. Yeah. Because a few hours after Becky's murder, when only the killer knew that Becky was dead, Tim brings a basketball hoop to his father's house for the kids. Yeah. And the idea that the prosecutors are laying out is that he did this because he knew Becky was dead and the problem was solved and he wouldn't have to worry about her trying to keep the kids away from his father. Yeah. Now, the defense lawyer, Casey, is like, I don't really know about that because the kids could already see Ray. 
but they just had to be supervised. So just because he's bringing a basketball hoop doesn't really mean anything. And also, Casey, the attorney, is saying, my client was not going to kill his wife over the idea of these allegations coming to light because they were already part of the public record. Like, they were already part of the of the pretrial filings. Like, everyone knew about these allegations anyway. It was already out there. So, again, not good evidence. Well, let's go to Google. So, this, because up to this point, I was kind of like, I don't know. I could kind of go either way. But then we get the fucking Google searches. Such as... How to open my door with a crowbar. How to make a homemade pistol silencer. And how to clean gunpowder off your hands. It was mind-boggling. It was mind-boggling, yeah. <laughs> Filled with typos. Filled with typos, but the cro- a crowbar is what was used to open the window to the boys' room that got him into the house to kill Becky. Also, how to make a homemade pistol silencer. So remember, they're saying that he was using the Aldi bags potentially to muffle the sound of the gun. How to clean gunpowder off your hands. I'm not making this up. These no. are actual quotes. Yeah. We see the screenshots. How to make a homemade pistol silencer is fucking crazy. And you know what's interesting? We don't get a rebuttal from Casey, the lawyer here. Exactly. We skipped right by it. She yep. didn't have an answer. But 48 hours, I would have liked to see that. Yes. Like, if she's here to sort of rebut everything, then, like, answer for this. But then, this was another major bombshell. Remember how the killer was seen a week before the yes. murder on Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day at 1 o'clock in the morning at the same time? So that person is seen on tape in front of Becky's house, where he's going to come back a week and kill her. Minutes after that person was seen on film, we're told Tim, Tim, we know it was Tim, made over 200 searches on the computer for a specific license plate and VIN number of a car. The car, we would find out, belonged to the guy Becky was dating, and that truck was in the driveway at the time. That guy was in the driveway on Valentine's Day. He was stalking her, and he's furious that she's moving on on Valentine's Day. Exactly. So... He looked it up 200 times. That's obsessive behavior. I mean, the information's not going to change. The right. car is the car is the car. And so when Casey, the attorney, is like, we don't know that that was Tim. We don't know that was Tim Casey. in the driveway. Because Aaron Moriarty is saying, so it's just a coincidence that the night you see that prowler at the next door neighbor's mm-hmm. driveway mm-hmm. and his truck is there, it's just a coincidence that just minutes later... Tim is doing research on the VIN number and the license tag. That's not Tim in that video. Minutes after that man leaves the scene on the 14th. Where he's taking down the information on the license yeah. plate. And Tim like just happens to be awake at 1 o'clock in the morning and just decides then that he's going to Google a license plate number and a VIN number that he would only be able to have those that information of if he had just been at the driveway at Becky's house. And then spends a week Googling it 200 times. Right. I really think that the 200 times thing is very important. This yes. is obsessive. He's just festering. He's getting I mean, angry and angry. How is that information going to change? It, the like just to drive it home. He could only have the information for the VIN number and the license plate if he had been at Becky's house and seen the car. So Aaron Moriarty lays all this out. Cut to Casey. This is all a coincidence. Cut to Tim. I really didn't care who she was dating. Uh, like I know, please. I know. But then bombshell number. What are what are we up to? Three, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They found spent shell casings in Tim's home, and an expert says that they're the same uh, expert on. In yeah. trial says that they're the same shell casings found at the scene. They can trace it back to the gun. And the prosecutor says the same, this is a quote, the same gun that killed Becky Bleefnick also fired the shell casings found at Tim's house. I mean, it's just like it's it's open and shut for me at this And what point. does Casey the lawyer say? Well, that's human error. Right. <laughs> Who's human error? I know. Tim's human error. I know. And also, they don't call an expert to refute the expert. The defense doesn't call a single witness. Not a single witness. And Casey cops him out. 
attitude with I Aaron know. Moriarty here because Aaron's like, why? And she's like, well, you know, uh, my time and money and funds and my client approved that. So and back also, off, Aaron. Also, I'm uh, I'm a divorce attorney. I didn't really know that I was supposed to call witnesses in a murder trial. How, how, how would I know that? It's like, did she talk to Tim about the, this 90-day thing? Because she right. seems like <laughs> she was caught as well. So, you know, Tim is found guilty. He gets life without parole. Sarah's, the sister, her victim impact statement, Sarah's really concerned about the kids. Yes. And in her victim impact statement, she says, maybe you should have Googled childhood PTSD in between your searches for homicide silencers and VIN numbers. Yeah, and it ends with, I mean, it's so moving, but it ends with Sarah, the sister, saying to us, if somebody reaches out to you and says that they're scared, they believe that their partner or whoever it is is capable of violence, we need to believe them and make an active effort to make sure they're safe. Ask them if they're okay, at least. And we do learn that the kids are being raised by Sarah and Becky's parents, yeah. and Sarah's, like, really committed to, like, making, trying to give the kids as best a life as they possibly can. Yeah. The dad is denied any contact with the kids. It's all yeah. so it's all bad. heartbreaking. Because then, like, one of the prosecutors is like, we shouldn't be celebrating this. Right. Yes, it's not he a went, win. he's away forever, but, like, why? Because yeah. he killed Becky, and now the kids lost both their parents. Like, it's not a happy ending. No. But I loved how we ended with Sarah saying, like, can you just listen when people tell you that they're scared. Yes. Can you just hear us? Let's Thanks. do that. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, girl, we did what's it called? So this is, uh, it's the murder of Becky Bleefnik, but yeah. they call it like the game show and the murder. We were talking about Family Feud for five seconds. Literally five That's seconds. so stupid. Oh my God. Fam, can I remind you, I'm going back out on the road with my traveling book party in March. These are the last five shows that I'm doing this show of. I have okay. a whole cool thing I'm planning for the summer and the fall. It's going to be wild. It's going to be oh, amazing. It's a whole different chapter whole, and a whole different It's a vibe, whole different right? thing. It's really not the same at all. Okay. So, And it is a whole different chapter. But I'm coming to Red Bank, New Jersey, Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Louisville, Kentucky. All in March. You can find the information and tickets at patrickfails.com. It's a super fun show. And then we just, it turns into a meetup. We hang out. We drink. I sign books. We just danced the night Fun. away. It's a party. Come celebrate these last five shows with me. Yeah. Let's shut this tour down in style. Okay, great. So, fam, next week's Tuesday regular episode, we're covering the murder of Lorenzen Wright. So, stay tuned for the trailer for that and our funny and hilarious outtakes. All right, we love you. We love you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Lorenzen was the hometown boy that makes good. Lorenzen. He made it out of his situation and made big. When he first disappeared, people just thought that maybe he was tired and he wanted to get away. His mother called me saying that, have you talked to Lorenzen? Uh, I can't reach him. 911, where's your emergency? Donna, I have nothing but gunshots. Lorenzen Wright's mother runs toward investigation. Police in Memphis, Tennessee have found the body of former NBA player Lorenzen Wright. According to the autopsy report, it appears that he was shot by at least two different people. You can just listen to that tape and know that he was in trouble. So all the speculation started then, you know, what happened? Who was involved? It was a big mystery in Memphis.
if I've contributed one thing to the Tipton family at large, the extended family, yeah. to whom they have contributed a lot to me. I love, love these people. Yeah. But when I started going down for Thanksgivings, there was just a trend of the women, do, the women and the gays doing the cooking and the cleaning. Is that right? Judy listens. I'm not talking shit about your family, yeah. Judy. I love them. But I recognize, I was like, it's the ladies and the gays doing the cooking uh, and the cleaning. We're going to have to Where were you that. in that? Uh, well, okay, if I'm being honest. Be honest. If I'm being honest. You, had a, you were sitting with a bourbon. I was sitting with a bourbon. I was in the kitchen, but I was sitting. Well, everyone, that's the best place to chat. Yes, of course. But. But then I was put, I was summarily put to work. Right. Or, yeah. Oh, oh, I see. Yes. Real work, or was it just like take that pie out now? Uh, are are they like, trusting you with peeling the potatoes no, or whatever? It's the peeling of the potatoes, which okay. I'm good at. Yeah, because I grew easy. up poor and I had to have to be a dishwasher. Just be careful, they'll, they'll get you that peeler. Oh, that'll be a really deep cut. We got to move on. Okay, great. <laughs> 